I'm Aaron. And I'm AR. Welcome back to the Lore Research Lab. And if you're new here, welcome to the Lore Research Lab, where we ramble on and on about Nintendo video games. We do not stop talking about games. Probably ramble too much. But hey ho, this is the 58th log in the eighth introduction, looking at the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Today's thesis, what is there to know about this game and its role in the franchise? Major foreshadowing, there is a ton of stuff to know, like a lot. There is a lot. It's time to deep dive, folks. So this is a game, uh, it's actually been discussed way back in season one, like we, um, How long ago? Like there's, a, there's an extra dedicated to it. And I was like, I remember way back then when I was but a fledgling researcher and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna do this extra and I'm just gonna talk about this game. So that way, anytime it's brought up in season one, you'll get the full picture. I was very wrong um, because I don't think it's descriptive enough. Uh, there's kernels of information about uh, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and other episodes that I've done as well as RN. We've both discussed this game at multiple different points um in discussions and theories we have done um so i am personally extremely conscious of the fact that i have talked about this game before but i have also spent a great deal of time and i think rn as well spent a great deal of time thinking about the fact that this game deserves its own proper episodes like proper episode not just being like a supplemental thing to another game like this is it's a game yeah, this own. is always almost weird that i did the introduction to majora's mask before we both did this one considering yeah. majora's mask is the sequel to ocarina of time i feel like and also it's also weird because ocarina of time was the first zelda game i ever played it's my Personally, it's one of my favorites. Uh, that and Majora's Mask. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I love all Zelda games because um, I'm a nerd, uh, as we both are. But, <laughs> yeah, that's um, the way that it goes. So Ocarina of Time has a special place in my heart for being the first Zelda game I ever played. Um, so, I mean, classic AR, we did this out of order, you know? Yeah. Um... I'm, I'm blaming this one on you. This was meant to be your job. Yeah, you're right. You're no, you're right about that. And it, this is not the first time I've done something like this, so I take full ownership of the of that mistake of mine. I'm it, I, I'm so disorganized, but that's I feel just, like I think I feel we like just that's, I think that's a okay, staple. Okay, okay, great. Let's keep talking. Okay, I'll keep we talking. Move on. Yes, then yes. We're never you are, get through anything. You okay? are correct. You are correct. So one last thing to mention, folks, because this is really just a housekeeping section. Section. We're not talking about anything in particular here. Um. So recognizing that this has been discussed before, just keep that in mind. Um, but this is gonna probably be the most streamlined version of information. Um, for, for, all, for, all, for, the, for a given definition of streamlined. Yeah, I, like we, I tr we, like, we try. We, we, we try, we, we try. We attempted. It's definitely gonna be more descriptive than anything else we've done before this. And it's all gonna be packed into one episode, like one big major episode. It'll probably be multiple parts, who knows. But um, this is also gonna be very spoiler heavy. It, like, I, I think that's gonna, that just goes without saying, cause we're gonna talk about story and stuff like that. Um, oh. characters and what, like, Spoilers! You have been warned. Yeah, you, you have been warned. So game. if you want to like, if you play haven't played this game, game, go play it. If you don't care enough to go play the game, keep listening. Yeah, exactly. Everybody ready? Okay, let's get into it and properly discuss. Let's go. So we will begin uh, with the story first. Um, the, this section is entirely story and it's going to be divided up into two parts. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, there's going to be a ton of name dropping, but if it doesn't make sense now, RN and I will explain it later and it will hopefully make sense then, right? <laughs> hopefully. 
Yeah, hopefully. We'll, hopefully. We'll get into the rest of, of It'll the... make as much sense as anything we ever do here does, so... And for the purposes of this episode, we will be using the Ocarina of Time 3D remake released in 2011, 2012, not the 1998 GameCube release. So just keep Mainly that in mind. Mainly because I I haven't played the GameCube. It's version, an RN so. problem, folks. So here's Sorry. what's to keep in mind is that when we do talk about gameplay, we're talking about a very specific version of this game. All right, take it away from us, RN. further ado, let's start off with the story. Our protagonist is Link because this is Legend of Zelda. So of obviously our protagonist is Link. A 10 year old boy living in a forest known as Kakiri Forest, home to a race known as the Kakiri. And they don't age. It's very, very, the name traditions in this story are pretty great. We have the Kokiri who live in Kokiri Forest. It's very linear, makes sense. We appreciate it. We appreciate that. He has a nightmare in, he's sleeping. And the first cutscene in the game is Link having a nightmare of a creepy man on a creepy horse attacking him. Lovely. He wakes up from this nightmare, awakened by a fairy named Navi. This Kokiri child is expected to have a fairy companion and Link up until this point lacked one. So it's it's pretty important that he now has one because he's like- It's a like legit, a coming of age ritual. He's a legitimate Kokiri now, I guess. So now uh, Navi advises uh, Link that he needs to meet the Deku tree now because something's very important. Link needs to do stuff. So he needs to acquire the Kokiri sword and also purchase a Deku shield in order to meet the Deku tree, who is the guardian of the of the Kokiri. Um, and when Link meets with the Deku tree, he will learn that the Deku tree is deathly ill because of an evil monster that is cursing him. It's like draining him of his life force, I suppose. So adventuring within the Deku tree. You go inside the Deku tree. It's it. It's not as weird as it sounds. We promise. Um, it is just a tree. It's just in the inside a tree of a, filled a tree. with doors and puzzles, which is slightly odd. There are but, a lot know, of things in this. It's a magical tree. It's a magical tree. Just think of it that way. Um. So anyway, a magic tree, guys. Link adventures through this. Uh, through the inside of the Deku tree, he'll eventually find a fairy slingshot, a very useful item to have. Um, Link will eventually need to defeat the monster that has kind of made Curse. the Deku tree ill in the first place. And it's this evil entity known as Queen Goma, which is this arachnid type creature that's been laying eggs and stuff. It's kind of yucky. Anyways, you'll, you know, the Link will, will, will defeat Goma and things will be fine, I guess. But then when you exit the Deku tree, the Deku tree will tell you that it's actually way too late to save him. So in his dying oh, no. breath, entrust Link with uh, his destiny to save Hyrule, to save the land of Hyrule. He details how the villain, um, who dispatched Queen Goma in the first place is aiming to use the power of an ancient relic created by three primordial goddesses known as Din, Nehru, and Furor for his own benefit. These three goddesses created Hyrule, so they have a very important role in the lore and stuff. You know, Din created the earth, Nehru gave the world life or something, and then Furor gave the spirit of law to that life. So like, they they have a role in this, in this universe that's very important. Um, so before the Deku tree finally dies off, he gives Link the spiritual stone known as Kakiri's Emerald and then passes away. And this Emerald will be a very important token later. Um, so yeah, then the Deku tree, he's, he's gone now. He's, he withers away, I suppose. And just as a side note, keep in mind, this is also pretty universal for like most Legend of Zelda games. The currency in this game are known as rupees. And this is what Link will need to procure throughout his journey in order to purchase stuff because buying stuff is, very important. Yes. It is very important. It's a it's an important game mechanic because you there's other like 
stuff that you'll need to do that requires you buying items. Anyway, Link yep. leaves the forest where he is given an ocarina from his close friend Saria as a gift to remember her by as he officially leaves the forest boundaries. In case anybody didn't know, an ocarina is a musical instrument. I didn't know this until I played this game, so... It's a wind that, instrument what, as well. That's, it's a wind that's what an ocarina is. You blow in it, it makes a cool noise. Yippee. Yippee. That's when Link runs into Kapora Gaboro, which is an all-knowing owl who frequently tips Link off about where to head next in a really creepy, slightly... Cryptic roundabout way. Cryptic roundabout way. You know, like, that really annoying oracle in every adventure story ever? Yeah, that that's Kapora Gaboro. Yep. But before Link um, can fulfill his destiny of saving Hyrule, he must first head to the castle and meet the princess. But before he can do that, there's a couple of other side things that must be accounted for, which are delivering the cuckoo and infiltrating the castle. The cuckoo delivery is defined by two characters, Talon and Malon. Talon manages the horse ranch known as Lon Lon Ranch and his daughter Malon, and him and his daughter Malon are currently delivering milk to the castle. However, Malon, who is still waiting outside, suspects that her father has fallen asleep somewhere after delivering the milk. So she gives you a cuckoo to hatch and use to wake him up. First, Link must avoid being seen by the guards and enter the castle ground safely, then use the cuckoo to wake up Talon. Uh, the reason you need to wake up Talon is because he is leaning on a box and the box is blocking the secret way into the palace. So once you wake him up, he'll get up and leave, stop leaning against the box and then you can push the box and then get inside the castle. Yep. So uh, once he wakes up, Talon will return to Malon and then you can infiltrate the castle. And also just as a, a quick side note, Mal Malon is actually the same age as Link as well. So she is also a child and she's like, yeah, my dad does not have his stuff together. He needs to work on that. He keeps falling asleep on the job. Anyways, uh, so once Talon wakes up and runs away, Link can move, I think their milk, like their whatever, the milk crates he was delivering. Um, he can move those crates into place and jump into that, uh, this shortcut, this small crevice, it's a small hole. And then the infiltration begins where Link must be, uh, he needs to avoid being seen by numerous guards in various different courtyards, and they all kind of move around in different intervals, so dodging them requires some level of expertise. This will lead Link to the main courtyard where Princess Zelda is located. That should come as a humongous surprise. She explains a similar dream that she had, a similar dream referring to Link's nightmare in the very beginning of the game. She uh, explains that uh, she had a similar dream and believes there's a connection between her dream and the destiny that was entrusted to Link. It's not that she knows what like Link was told by the Deku tree. She just knows that there's a connection between her dream and Link because she, sees this ray of light and it's supposed to signify a boy from the forest with a fairy and that's exactly what Link is. But her dream is actually in fact a prophecy. So the, there's a, this idea of a dark cloud covering Hyrule and then the ray of light stuff happens that's embodying Link, but the dark cloud comes first. And she further explains that through this stained glass window where she is snooping on her father in the kind of main throne room, um, she sees this man named Ganondorf and believe believes he is the man that embodies this dark cloud. He is the villain of this game. That is what she believes. And we also see this man in Link's Nightmare too. So yeah, he's gotta be the bad guy. Um, and because uh, 
She believes he's evil and he needs to be stopped. She wishes to join forces with Link in preemptively stopping Ganondorf from ruining Hyrule by acquiring the legendary relic known as the Triforce, which is capable of stopping evil if it is in the right hands. So the Triforce was created when Din, Nehru, and Furore left the mortal realm and departed for the the Okay, I'm just gonna realm. quickly clarify here. I looked up the origin myth and just to clarify what happens is the world was in chaos and then Din comes along and creates the material world. Nehru comes along and creates water and gives order to the material world and then, and for, then, all came, gives life. And then for all creates life that follows all the laws gotcha. of the material world. Yeah. Okay. And then as they leave, the nexus point where they leave, yes, that is the Triforce when they yes. go back to the heavens. Yes, so it, it indicates uh, this kind of supreme power that exists um, in a realm the mortals cannot easily access. It's meant to be placed in an area where normal people cannot reach it because well, it's the so sacred powerful. realm. It's so powerful. That's uh, that's exact, exactly the case. In the wrong hands, uh, such as someone who's evil, um, bad, very very bad things can happen with extremely extremely dire consequences. So it is important. This that is all end of end of the world kind of stuff. The stakes are extremely high, and Zelda is very much aware of this. So she believes her and Link are capable of uh, handling this task. Anyways, Link then meets with Zelda's royal attendant, Impa, who teaches Link an important song to play on his ocarina as a member of the Sheikah clan. So Impa is privy to knowing this information because not only does she believe in Zelda's prophecy, she also believes in, you know, uh, ensuring the safety of Hyrule and yeah, because Link is a part of this prophecy. Of course, she's gonna trust this 10 year old kid with this song. Um, and, you know, she's trying to protect the royal family and stuff. Impa's got a lot of responsibilities, folks. Um, so it is a main storytelling function and a game mechanic that Link learns songs in order to progress through his journey as they open uh, paths that would otherwise block off the average individual. Um, Impa teaches Link Zelda's lullaby, which will allow him entry into many different locations in Hyrule and these locations in Hyrule are usually indicated by requiring a, like a member from the royal family or royal personnel to enter. So a normal person cannot enter under these circumstances, but the song is like a password. Zelda's lullaby is a password for a lot of things. Anyways, uh, Impa advises Link to head over to her hometown, Kakariko Village, in order to access the passage leading to Death Mountain. Um, Impa is essentially tasking Link with procuring the remaining two spiritual stones, just like the one Link received from the Deku Tree. After getting permission to scale the path up the mountain and also purchasing the Hylian shield since the Deku shield is flammable and bringing a flammable shield to a place defined by lava is not a good idea, yep. Link enters Goron City, home to the rock-eating group known as Gorons. You know, Gorons live in Goron City. Like I said, the naming in this game, very logical. It's easy to get your head around. Yep. The Gorons are very friendly, and Link, at Navi's recommendation, must travel back to Korkiri Forest and into the Lost Woods to find Saria. The reason you must do this is because once you go inside, you find uh, that you can't talk to the leader of the Gorons because he's really sad and he's like, I want to hear something happy, I'm really depressed. So mm -hmm. Navi tells Link, oh, go back to um, the Lost Woods and talk to Saria. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you go back to the Lost Woods, which are next to Kakuri Forest, and you find Saria. And Saria will teach you Saria's song in the Sacred Forest Meadow. Link will then go talk to Darunia, who is leader of the Gorons, and you will play Saria's song for him and he will be happy again! Yay! Magical depression curing song. Let's go. 
he gets um, cheery again. He perks yes. up and he informs you that he's very been very depressed because uh, the Gorons cannot access Dodongo's cavern, which is a bad thing because all the food comes from Dodongo's cavern. So, you know, everyone's slowly starving. They, they there, eat which rocks. Which is bad. They eat rocks, so, you know. They eat rocks, but they only eat specifically the rocks from Dodongo's cavern. Yep. So they're all slowly starving to death, which is bad. Yes. Um, but they can't access Dodongo's cavern due to boulders blocking the entrance, among other problems. Namely, that Dodongo's cavern is full of Dodongos and those try to kill people. Yes. Not great. No. He gifts Link with the Goron bracelets, which give this Link the strength necessary for picking up bomb flowers, which are essentially just bombs that grow out of the ground. Link destroys the boulders using the bomb flowers and must deal with the terrors within the cavern. Like just it's 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 the second dungeon, so it's just a bunch of monsters essentially. And then once he's done that, it is safe for the Gorons to retrieve their source of food. Bombs can be acquired here as well, like the item, not the bomb flowers. Yes. In order to receive the next spiritual stone, Link's main task is to defeat King Dodongo, a lizard-like monster. Once Link does this, Darunia happily gifts Link with Goron's ruby, which is the second spiritual stone. There's only one spiritual stone left, so at this point Zelda's plan to preemptively stop Ganondorf is coming together. Kind of. Uh, okay, so yeah, Link's next task is to go to Zora's domain, inhabited by the fish people known as the Zora. Y you see the naming conventions in this game? We love to see it. Simplicity sometimes is just the way to go, folks. Using Zelda's lullaby, just as easy to enter Darunia's room, Link can enter the domain by making the waterfall, hiding uh, the entrance to Zora's domain splinter off. It's like the parting of the Red Sea, but waterfall style. Unlike the shenanigans in Goron City, there are a couple more steps that Link would need, will need to take before he can even consider receiving the final spiritual stone. First, he must complete a diving challenge in order to receive an item known as the Silver Scale, which allows him to hold his breath underwater longer than three seconds. It allows him to hold his breath long enough to dive into the shortcut in Zora's domain that will take Link to uh, Lake Hylia, which is the southernmost and largest water body in Hyrule, but also to be fair, Hyrule does not have a lot of large water bodies, so this is saying a lot, I suppose. So, diving underwater, Link will find a bottle with a message in it. He will deliver this bottle to King Zora, the king of the Zora people. Again, the naming conventions. Um, uh, King Zora will explain that this message details his daughter, the princess, Ruto, is trapped within the belly of Jabu Jabu, this large amphibious creature that inhabits Zora's fountain, a water body located behind the king's throne room. Link needs to save her, because of course he does. So, yep. Of course he does. It's, that's just what you do. That's just a what you gotta do. A ten-year-old shows up to your kingdom, the logical choice is to send him to go save your daughter because you don't have anybody that could do it yourself, obviously. Precisely. Precisely. Once again, there is another condition for Link to enter Jabu's Jabu's belly uh, safely. He needs to tempt it with food. Once Link traps a fish and uses it as bait to feed it, Jabu Jabu will vacuum Link into his body and boom, you can go find Ruto. Yay. Link finds her relatively early within Jabu Jabu and she explains that Jabu Jabu's been acting weird because of course. Mm -hmm. And she's a princess, so she demands to be carried throughout the area. So for the entirety of the dungeon, Link just carries Bruto everywhere, like above his head, like she's like a jug of water or something. It's, it's kind of funny. It's quite funny. It's kind yeah. of funny. Because, um, uh, sorry, during the travels around Jabu Jolly's belly, which is inexplicably giant and full of doors, I don't know, roll Again, with it. It's strange. Uh, 
It's it's a bit weird, but he will Link will find the boomerang, which is a useful weapon against enemies that emit electricity within Jabble Jabble's belly. He must ward off these enemies and find out what exactly is making Jabble Jabble act all weird. Link ends up in one part of the belly that inexplicably has different platforms. As you may have already guessed, uh, anatomy accuracy isn't really much of a thing in this game. But Bruto gets separated from Link and he is instead made by a big octo, which is, as it sounds, a giant octopus that spits rocks at you. Wonderful. Bruto disappears for the remainder of Link time in Jabu Jabu's belly, but hey, you find out what's making Jabu Jabu act weirdly. It's Baronade, which is a malicious anemone thing that was being a parasite and leeching off Jabu Jabu. And then once you've defeated Baronet, Link reunites with Ruto, where she rewards him for Zora's sapphire for saving her, which is also considered to be a marriage proposal. I don't know. I, I guess it makes sense. Big question mark on that one. So anyways, folks, Link did it. He procured all three spiritual stones. Um, he now needs to return to Zelda and the two can go forward with their plan to stop Ganondorf. Of course, I, neither uh, RN and I, we haven't necessarily fully explained how they plan to do this. We're going to get into that now. Now, the thing is that, of course, Link has to reunite with Zelda so they can execute this plan, right? But it appears Link's nightmare comes true when he returns to Hyrule Field, about to enter the castle again. So when Link is approaching the entrance to the castle town, he sees Zelda and Impa rushing out of the castle on horseback. And this was also shown in his nightmare, so things are coming true. Um, Zelda chucks something into the moat uh, before Link sees anything else or anyone else. And that's when Ganondorf appears and on his horse. And he demands that Link tells him you saw uh, the princess and her attendant on horseback. Where did they go? Link will not tell him. So then Ganondorf fires this magic ball at him and it stuns Link. And I guess he applauds Link for trying to stand up to him or something. And But he, he chases Zelda and Impa off into the distance and you don't know where that goes. So Link, you don't have the time to deal with that right now. So you gotta go find out what uh, Zelda chucked into the moat. This is revealed to be the Ocarina of Time. Oh my God, it's the title of the game, folks. This triggers a memory associated with the instrument. Zelda explains that when Link picks up this instrument, the two of them will no longer be in person together, but there's something very important that Link must still complete. Um, there is a song that he must learn known as the Song of Time. Link now has all the tools necessary to access the Triforce. Uh, so Link must now travel to the Temple of Time, which is located not far from the Castle Town Market Square, where the Door of Time is located within the Temple Chambers. Placing the spiritual stones in their pedestals and playing the Song of Time opens the door to a secret chamber, a fateful chamber. Dun dun dun! dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Link finds within this chamber the resting place of the Master Sword, fixed in the pedestal. As any sensible 10-year-old would do, Link pulls the sword out of the stone. But, plot twist, turns out Ganondorf was waiting for Link and Zelda to do all the hard footwork of uh, opening the secret um, door in the Temple of Time so yep. he can access the sacred realm where the Triforce is located. As the villain, he confirms he murdered Zelda's father, the king, and how Zelda and Link saved him a lot of trouble by procuring the spiritual stones when they did, or more specifically when Link got them. His evil laugh echoes as things fade into nothingness. Of course, this isn't the whole story. This completes the first half of the game, which thinks Link begin his adventure and accidentally help the villain in a major plot twist. Dun dun dun. So the second half of the game will see a lot more difficulties in store for Link. Uh, 
all of which are direct follow-ups from the past. There's a there. This is to say, there's a direct correlation between what happened in Link's past and what will happen uh, in the future. Time will progress, folks. Pun intended. Link's gonna grow up, and that's gonna change a lot of things with this story and his experience as this child of destiny. I don't know. Okay, let's get into the second part of the story. Yeah, I don't know you were going with that either. I don't know either. I'll, well, let's just do, do it. wakes up in the sacred realm also known as the temple of light and this is actually basically like the last stronghold or something in this area of the sacred realm where good still prevails but anyways link is awakened by an elder sage named raru who more specifically is the sage of light raru explains things in hyrule uh, you know things things have changed in hyrule it's not the same uh, but, you know, so was Link. Link has also changed. Seven years have passed since Link pulled the Master Sword out of the stone. So he's essentially an adult now, and he is capable of wielding the Master Sword. Um, because, so just for the clar clarity, the Master Sword is, like, half the height of Link as an adult. It's a proper, like, long sword, so, um, if you are a child, it's the height of you, so you can't swing it. It's too heavy. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, Raru explains to Link that he is in fact the chosen hero of Destiny, but he was too young to wield it when he pulled it out of the, uh, pulled it out of the stone. So Link was put into this forced hypersleep in order to in order for him to semi-naturally enter this role as the hero. But of course, time did still have to pass. Like seven years still had to pass for that to be possible. Um, and this happens at the expense of the state of Hyrule. So Raru warns Link that, you know, things are going to be different when he goes back down, but he has a destiny to fulfill. He has, this is his fate as the hero. So back Link goes to the land of Hyrule. So Link is suddenly confronted in the chamber of the Temple of Time by an individual named Sheik, who is a Sheikah. Sheik the Sheikah, makes sense. <laughs> who substantiates Raru's claim that things have changed. Sheik advises that before Link can even consider confronting evil, there's a useful tool he will need to procure before progressing further. First off, as soon as Link exits the Temple of Time, he will see that Ganondorf really did take over. The town market is no longer inhabited by the lively people he saw as a child, but are now instead inhabited by zombies known as Reeds, which are the creepiest things ever. Yep. Terrible. So anyway, Link, at Sheik's request, heads to the graveyard in Kakarika Village, home of the Sheikah, entering the grave of the former groundskeeper called Dampe. After Link completes the task set out for him, Dampe's spirit rewards Link with the hookshot. So after Link gets the hookshot, Navi says to Link, oh, I wonder what Sari is up to. Maybe we should go check on her. And Link is like, okay then. And so he, off he goes to Kokiri Forest to yeah, go find Saria. So Link's gonna go back there and he's gonna find out that his home is now inhabited by monsters. Wonderful. Now, after going back through the Lost Woods and traversing through the now dangerous Sacred Forest Meadow, uh, Link will arrive at the area where Saria first taught him her self-titled song. Then Sheik will appear again and then teach Link the minuet of forest, allowing Link to always return to this area at will. This is the first so of he... a bunch of warp songs in the game. Yeah, so that in the game, there are a bunch of warp songs, uh, but they only go to a specific location. So the minuet of forest will only warp you to this specific spot in the game. Sheik also says to you, once you have uh, learned the minuet of forest, he reads you a poem, which goes, 
When evil rules all, an awakening voice from the sacred realm will call those destined to be sages who dwell in the five temples. One in a deep forest, one on a high mountain, one under a vast lake, one within the house of the dead, one inside the goddess of the sand. Yeah, oh, very so ominous. So that's now your goal to go free the five sages. Those and those are all major hints to where the area, like where those areas are in the. So in since the game. we're inside a forest, Link figures, oh yeah, we're inside a forest. Maybe the first sage is inside this forest. Maybe. All right. So mm. with that information at hand now, Link can use the hook shot, which is a spring-loaded chain, by the way. It can just launch him uh, to different areas, as usually if it's wood. Um, but he can use the hook shot to launch himself onto what was once an unreachable platform looming above him, leading to the entrance of the Forest Temple. After solving a series of puzzles, procuring the fairy bow within the temple, and fighting monsters and enemies of many forms, Link will arrive in the basement of the Forest Temple, leading to a room surrounded by large paintings. Link will then be trapped on this platform, forced to fight a malicious entity crafted by Ganondorf known as Phantom Ganon. This phantom travels through the paintings, but after taking the steps necessary to beat him, the phantom will be sucked back into a void as Ganondorf speaks from beyond, I suppose. He's an evil king now. He has powers and stuff. Ganon says that when Link fights him for real, it won't be this easy. Link is then transported to the Sacred Realm, where he meets the Sage of Forest, Saria. Who would have thunk it? His childhood dun, friend dun, dun. was the Sage of Forest. Gasp. Uh, so she comments how they'll always be friends, even if they can't be together. She bids him farewell, and he receives a medallion indicating that the Sage of Forest is now active and is awake. Yay! Um, so while the Sacred Forest Meadow is still inhabited by enemies, Kakiri Forest is overall freed from Ganondorf's power. As well, Link learns the truth behind his birth from the Deku Tree Sprout. And it's, you know, the Deku Tree Sprout is kind of like the offspring of the Deku Tree. It's a, it's a symbol of healing, the forest healing, really. Link was never a Kakiri, but a Hylian. The Hylian is probably the most, like, I guess, widespread race in Hyrule. Um, and that's what Link actually is. He was not, he was not ever a Kakiri. He was, uh, there, he was born during the Hyrulean Civil War, which the game does not spend a whole lot of time talking about, but it's definitely important in the history of Hyrule in this game. Uh, he was born around that time. His mother, who had suffered from fatal injuries, brought Link to the forest, where the Deku Tree decided to take care of Link as though he was a Kakiri, and also recognizing that Link is no ordinary child. So Link's destiny to save Hyrule was kind of set in stone in a lot of ways, I guess. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, after this, Link will return to the Temple of Time, and Sheik will go, Hey, wanna learn a warp song so you can come back to this place conveniently every time without having to run through a forest to read it? And Link goes, sure. And so Sheik teaches Link the prelude of light, which will let him walk back to the Temple of Time anytime he wants, which is useful because Very you don't useful. have to run through the time, the town full of readeds, aforementioned, which is not yep. fun. It's good. After that, you have learned the prelude of light, uh, Link can go back to the poem Sheik taught him, which about all the sages, and go, hmm, maybe I should go free the other four. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's something I should do. Yep. So he will go and do that. He can do that in any order he wants to, but for the purposes of this explanation, we will be explaining what can happen next in the order we kind of both played it in. Yes. In the way that, like, the game, basically the game, the way the game recommends you to do it in, because yes. it goes from, like, goes in ascending order of difficulty essentially yes so the first uh temple you will go to is the the temple on death mountain remember death mountain which rains down rocks and prevents safe travel fun 
Link can head back to Goron City, where he meets Darunia's son, who is named Link, in honor of Link, which is lovely thought, but gets very confusing. Yes. Goron Link will explain that many Gorons have been captured and are trapped in the caverns of the Fire Temple, where a dragon known as Volvagia now resides and imminently threatens those living below the mountain with fiery death by lava. Lovely. As an extension of Gandor's evil, Volvagia needs to be stopped. Darunia went into the Fire Temple to try and stop Volvagia, but Link will need to join in on this. And because, you know, the Fire Temple is full of fire, closing the name, he will need to get a Goron tunic so he doesn't burn to death. Sheik will reappear shortly before Link enters the depth of Death Mountain Crater, teaching him the Bolero of Fire. After freeing the Gorons and finding a weapon known as the Megaton Hammer, Link can enter Volvagia's lair and defeat it. Note that Darunia is now absent, despite Darunia having explained the situation to him when Link first entered the temple, and Link having seen Darunia enter Volvagia's lair. Very mysterious disappearance. Mysterious disappearance. I wonder what that could mean. After this is done, Link once again is transported back to the Sacred Realm, where it is revealed that Darunia is the stage of spire. Oh I, my god! I never would have guessed No it. one saw that coming! Darunia bids Link farewell, and he receives a medallion. <laughs> he receives a medallion indicating the Sage of Fire is now active. With Vavagia defeated, the threat to individuals living in the villages below Death Mountain is eliminated. Yay! Yeah, Good so job. people in Goron City can live in relative peace again, and Kakriko Village is no longer going to be flooded by lava, I suppose. Okay, next up, Zora's Domain. Well, okay, going there is not quite the same. Uh, Navi notices there's snow on the way there, so that can only mean good things. And, okay, well, that's because Ganon froze the whole place over. So yeah, Zora's Domain is just a, a gigantic ice rink now. Wonderful. Uh, Link finds some areas encased in red ice. Red ice is different than the, just the general normal ice. King Zora is also encased in this red ice, so that's fun. Zora's fountain is also frozen over, but this allows Link to access uh, the ice cavern. In there, Link can find the blue fire necessary for melting red ice, as well as the iron boots, which will allow Link to be heavy enough to walk along the bottom of any deep water body. After thawing King Zora out, King Zora will give Link the Zora tunic, which allows Link to breathe underwater. Tunic properties in this game. Tunics are just so overpowered. They're the go-to clothing, obviously, if you want to survive harsh conditions of any kind? I don't know. But King Zora will inform uh, Link of the troubles at Lake Hylia, where Ruto has gone to try and stop evil from winning out at the Water Temple. Things are not right at Lake Hylia. So Link can head over to the lake. Uh, he has to take the long way around, though. That shortcut's no longer accessible. Where Sheik will meet him and teach Link the serenade of water, using his new pair of fashionable boots and this tunic that allows him to breathe underwater, Link can use the hookshot to unlock the gate uh, to the water temple, entering this underwater area. Once there, he will reunite with Ruto, who gets upset that the person she proposed to as a 10-year-old kept her waiting for seven years. That's, that's not great. But the fish princess does have her priorities straight. Her main focus is to thaw out Zoro's domain and believes that solving the problems at the water temple will result in Zoro's domain unfreezing. She explains to Link that he will need to repeatedly change the water levels in the temple in order to access the room where one of Ganondorf's minions reside, a monster responsible for affecting the water in the first place and making it unnatural. There's a ton of puzzles to solve. It's very tedious. We'll get into that later. In this uh, dungeon, uh, like within the areas of the different rooms of the water temple, Link will fight a shadow version of himself known as Dark Link, and then also be able to upgrade his hookshot into a longshot. It's actually a useful item. I know that we know the wording of longshot can sound like it's 
like a joke, but it's not. Upon reaching the final room, Ruto's voice can be heard, informing Link that the water here isn't normal. And like Darunia before her, she's nowhere to be seen. I wonder what that can mean. Link must then battle it out with Morpha, an aquatic amoeba that manipulates itself to appear as multiple, ten multiple tentacles formed by this unnatural water. However, Morpha's true form is a red nucleus. Link defeats Morpha once this amoeba is struck enough times. Woo! After this has been completed, Link is once again transported back to the Sacred Realm where it is revealed that Ruto is the Sage of Water! I never would have who seen that coming, honestly! That I thought coming. it was gonna be that one Zora who runs the shop in Zora's domain. I didn't think it was gonna be her. No way. Oh my god, guys! No! Could no never! No How way. could this happen? Absolutely no way. Anyway, she bids him farewell. Too bad they can't get married, I guess. And he receives a medallion, indicating the sage is now active. Are you guys spotting a pattern yet? I'm not. Maybe, maybe, maybe a small one. Four water levels return to normal in the lake, which Sheik is able to witness. Link's next stop is Kakariko Village. When Link first enters, suddenly the village buildings are covered in flames. Oh no. And Link reunites with Sheik, who warns him that something is emerging from the well. Double oh no. The wooden bars on the well go flying off, and Sheik is suddenly picked up and flails in the air, thrown to the ground. Triple oh Triple no. Triple oh no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A large shadow causes through the village, and Link bravely but blindly tries to fight off the entity, but fails to and fades. Oh dear. So it's not going great. But Sheik wakes up and wakes him up, and now as the village is being rained on, so like, like as in like rain, so it's not the on fire's fire been anymore. put out. The fire's been put the out. The fire has been put out. Yay! They inform Link that a shadow monster broke out of the seal in Pasatanet long ago, now making its way into the Kobut Shadow Temple located in the graveyard. Boo! Impa has gone into the temple to steal it away, but you guessed it. Link needs to go in there too. But not before she teaches him the Nocturne of Shadow, appropriately spooky. Except things are a little different this time round. Link needs to use the power of time travel, a la Back to the Future. Um, and he needs to go back in time to actually traverse through the Shadow Temple because he needs knowledge on his side. The thing is, is that Link as a child is not actually going to adventure through the Shadow Temple. He needs to get something that will allow him to adventure through the Shadow Temple. So Link will go back in time by placing the sword back in the stone from which he pulled it out of. He'll go back to when he was 10 years old and Ganondorf had not yet taken over Hyrule. So Link using uh, time travel tricks, there's kind of this preliminary step that Link needs to do before he can do other things. He must learn uh, the song known as the Song of Storms. He will learn this as an adult. So there's some like very like time shenanigans going on here, folks. So essentially he learns the song as an adult, but he played it for this man known as the Phonogram Man who resides in the windmill in Kakariko Village. That makes this man go stir crazy. He will tell Link that, hey, some crazy kid from seven years ago taught me this crazy song and then he'll teach you the song and then that's how you learn the song and then you go back in time as child link and you play it for the phonogram man who was much happier seven years ago and then you'll be like oh wait the windmill's going really fast so again time traveling shenanigans so the windmill will spin really fast and that will lower the water levels of the well somehow so now link can actually go into the well where technically bongo bongo has been sealed away but you will not see bongo bongo as a child Anyways, when Link adventures through this extremely horrific and creepy area that implies some very dark history in Hyrule, Link will find the Lens of Truth, which is this glass that reveals hidden areas um, and rooms and things like that. Arin and I, I think we agree that we're currently discussing the creepiest part of the game. The bottom of the well is, is a terrifying place to adventure through, and the Shadow Temple is no exception. 
Yeah. With the lens of truth in his possession, Link travels back into the future, returning to the Shadow Temple. The lens of truth is necessary for solving the majority of the puzzles in this dungeon. Within the really creepy dungeon, Link can find the hover boots, which will allow him to briefly hover over gaps where there is no path. There are multiple open chasms within this temple, so yeah, this is pretty useful. Link's travels will take him to the room housing the shadow monster in question. And again, Impa, nowhere to be seen. Wonder what that could mean. Mm, hmm. Not sure. Not sure. Mm. Fighting the monster on a large drum, Link battles Bongo Bongo, who featured in our Throwing Hands episode, if you've listened to that. Yep, that's a fun one. But Bongo Bongo can only be seen using the lens of truth. His eye is his weak spot, so when Link stuns his large disembodied hand enough times, he gets the opportunity to attack his eye, and then Bongo Bongo will be defeated. And Hallelujah. And it's great. It's wonderful. You've defeated the shadow monster. Woohoo. After this is done, Link is once again transported back to the sacred realm where it is revealed. Drum roll, please. Impa is the Sage of Shadow. You know what? I honestly thought it was going to be the phonogram man, but... I I guess not. Uh, so Impa is in fact the Sage of Shadow. Um, she will bid Link farewell, just like the other sages before her, but comments that Zelda, who's been absent this entire time, might I add, is in fact safe. So at least Link knows. He has the information that Zelda's actually doing okay. We don't know where she is though. So Link receives a medallion indicating that, you know, this sage is also now active. Pieces return to Kakariko Village once and for all. They had that, de- that you know, the threat of Death Mountain destroying life and then now they had the shadow monster. It just, Kakariko Village has been through a lot in this game. Uh, the last region of Hyrule Link needs to tackle in his journey also happens to be Ganondorf's homeland. There are a number of things Link needs to take care of before entering the temple associated with this region of Hyrule. Firstly, Link must enter Gerudo Valley and then enter this area known as Gerudo Fortress, where he must save these carpenters that are captured by the all-female race known as the Gerudo. Um, because within the Gerudo Fortress, this is the Gerudo stronghold. The Carpenters have been trapped here um, and Link needs to save them. So Link, after freeing the Carpenters, battling Gerudo warriors and also avoiding getting caught, it's another kind of infiltration mission, if you will, he'll be deemed worthy to traverse uh, the fortress grounds without being imprisoned because they're really anti-men here. They do not like men here. And this will allow him further access to the desert, which is the area Link actually needs to go towards like he actually needs to go to the desert so link using the lens of truth and the hover boots must cross the haunted wasteland using the accompanying riddles to access the real desert area the haunted wasteland is this kind of mirage desert and it's very easy to get lost within it so there's only like one true path and things like that so you just gotta you just gotta figure it out this will lead link to the desert colossus home of the final temple upon entering the spirit temple link will see two messages written on two large ovular tablets one indicating that he must return as a child and the other stating that he must acquire the necessary hand gear needed for exploring the temple. When Link exits the temple, Sheik will teach him the final warp song known as the Requiem of Spirit. Woo, yay, yay. Now you have all of them, congrats. Similar to what he did with the Shadow Temple, Link travels back in time and returns to the Spirit Temple as a child using that very helpful warp song he just learned. Convenient. Yep. There he meets the Gerudo chief known as Naboru, who is secretly conspiring to defeat Ganondorf. Hmm, that can't end badly at all. Nope, not at all. However, because the passageway into the left side of the temple requires someone small to enter, she enlists Link's help to acquire the treasure. To acquire the treasure she feels is necessary for taking Ganondorf down. After traveling through the temple and arriving at the platform housing the treasure, Link will witness from above that outside the temple, Naboru is being sucked into a magical void of sorts. As he warns Link to free, 
as two witches circling her trap her in the void. The two witches travel into the temple, but with Naboro out of commission, all Link can do is take the treasure in her place, the silver gauntlets. Link can wear these as an adult, so by traveling forward in time, Link can wear these new gloves and move heavier objects with ease. This will allow him access into the right side of the temple. After traveling through the temple, Link will face an enemy known as an iron knuckle. Although something seems off about it. When the iron knuckle is defeated under the armor, it is revealed that Naboro was brainwashed to fight Link by the witches, revealed to, been, revealed to be... Revealed to be the twin rover consisting of 400-year-old twins, Kome and Take. They are way past their expiration date. Oh, very much so. Old and crusty. They use their powers <laughs> to make her disappear when she tries to run away from them. Link will find the mirror shield, which will allow him passage into the elusive room the twin rover sealed themselves in. These are two witches who functioned as leaders to the Gerudo from the shadows and were Ganondorf's surrogate mothers, which quite honestly explains a lot about the guy. As two witches, they are individually known as the Sorcerers of Fire, Kome, and the Sorcerers of Ice, Kotake, respectively. Link must use the mirror shield to reflect their attacks, and that's only the first phase of the battle. Yes, because Kome and Kotake will combine and form what appears to be a significantly taller but younger-looking Gerudo Sorceress, combining their magical powers as well. So they, they do a double dynamic attack or something. They even have a name for it. Link must repeat, uh, repeat, bleh, repeat, re repeat the reflection of attacks in order to weaken the Twin Rova, reducing them to their true form. So you, if Link does it enough time, he will defeat them. Once they are defeated, they'll eventually pass on, but they bicker and try to curse Link. It's actually kind of comedic. The game, the, the game dialogue in the scene is intentionally made to be funny. I think we're supposed to be laughing at them, I think. Anyways, after this is done, Link is once again transported back to the Sacred Realm where it is revealed Naburu is the Sage of Spirit. Was there any other candidate for the Sage of Spirit, RN? Like <laughs> a rat, maybe, maybe I think I think it should have been, quite frankly, I think it should have been the prison guard standing outside that prison cell. That's my personal opinion. Don't know about anybody else. I think so too, you know, they were pretty strong. Anyways, so Link will receive the final medallion, indicating that the final sage is now active. So now with all the sages freed, Link will meet Sheik in the Temple of Time. Now Sheik goes on to explain another secret about the goddesses and the Triforce. If the person who acquires the Triforce, as we know from before, if the person who acquires it is a good person, then good things will happen. But because Ganondorf, who's a bad guy, acquired the Triforce, evil spread throughout the land. The condition that was imperative to the Triforce's power, it depends on the individual. As a relic representing aspects of each goddess, the individual acquiring the Triforce needed to possess all three of the traits as well. Uh, because Din is attributed to power, Nehru to wisdom, and Furore to courage. So the person who accesses the Triforce needs to have all three of these attributes in order to use its full power. When this is not the case, the Triforce will split into three parts, attaching themselves to the individual who best fit these traits. Ganondorf, who was evil but powerful, naturally acquired the Triforce of power, but he didn't have courage or wisdom. So the two remaining pieces split from him. The Triforce of Courage is revealed to be inside Link. What about the final piece, the Triforce of Wisdom? This is when Sheik reveals the truth behind their identity. Folks, it was Zelda all along. Oh my God, plot dun, twist. Dun, I, was, dun. I was not ready for that reveal. Holy moly, holy cheese. She passed off as a Sheikah Wanderer to help Link in his journey to free the sages, but also to evade Ganondorf's watchful eye. He's, a, he's an evil king, he knows things. Possessing the Triforce of Wisdom and actually being the seventh sage, the hero camp is now finally assembled and ready to take on evil. Everyone's awake, everyone's got their powers, 
Things are good now. Link will also receive the light arrows, which will allow him to injure Ganondorf with ease. But Zandit, I can do this. English is not okay. Here's the thing. Zelda's grand you reveal. Got it. I can do this, right? Zelda's grand reveal does not come without a price. Tell us, RN, what happens Turns next? Turns out Ganondorf was eavesdropping and Darn realizing it. how... Damn it! Never saw that one coming. Nope. And realizing how Zelda evaded him for so long, he traps her in a pink crystal thing and transports her to his castle, taunting Link to come and fight him once and for all. Link will head towards the area that once housed Hyrule Castle, now the home of Ganondorf's more macabre castle. A pool of lava circulating below and most of the area scorched. Just imagine your quintessential villain hideout. That's this castle. Link will head towards the area that um, he can like cross the bridge, but then they, oh my God, there's no bridge left anymore. But with the help of the sages, the sages make a bridge for you because they're just kind of cool like that, you know? So super Link cool, can cool. now enter the somewhat cylindrical, ominous floating castle. Mm -hmm. The final battle is imminent now, but the freedom of the sages is not complete. In separate mini little dungeons, each yeah. testing Link's experience and use of weaponry collected throughout the game, L L L Link must go through all of them and he must then officially free the sages. Uh, even though you kind of already Got you kind of already did, but you didn't. You need to like, you need to like free them or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, including Raru actually, and they all advise Link to hurry. And like, you're just kind of playing through. Like every time you free a sage, they go, hurry up. And Link is like, I know, I'm hurrying. Shut I'm up. trying here, I'm trying. <laughs> anyway, uh, the golden gauntlets can be found in one of these dungeon rooms, allowing Link to lift large stone obelisks or just about anything at this point. Like, I'm not joking. There's this one moment when you get the golden gauntlets and you literally bench press an entire ass stone pillar thrice the height of you and yeet it across a room. It's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, once this process of freeing the sages is complete, all the barriers blocking doors of the castle are removed, now properly opening the way for Link to confront Ganondorf once and for all. Link, after traveling through numerous rooms and winding staircases, will arrive in a chamber when Ganondorf is doing that quintessential villain thing of aggressively paying macabre music on an organ. The Triforce belonging to each individual begins to resonate as the Triforce wishes to be whole again, as all things do. Mm -hmm. And Ganondorf, wanting to consolidate power, challenges Link to battle him, as this duel will determine the fate of the world after... But this is only after Ganon fails to take the Triforce from Link by force. Mm -hmm. Much like that battle way back when against Phantom Ganon, Link must play magical sword tennis and deflect Ganon's magic back against him. Using the light arrows and repeated attacks using the Master Sword, Ganon can be weakened, and this is reflected in how tattered his cape becomes. Link will succeed in defeating Ganon, Dorf, but Ganondorf will not go without <laughs> Ganon one last Dorf. Dorf. <laughs> I forgot. I'm sorry. No, no, Ganondorf will not go without one last attack. While Zelda is freed from the Crystal Prison, Ganondorf, using what strength he has left, begins to destroy his own castle. Zelda can use her own powers to free the path down as the castle implodes. The two managing to escape the crumbling structure, but it's not over yet, folks, because Ganondorf isn't called the Great King of Evil for nothing, because this guy's got the Triforce of Power. And using what ounce of strength he has left and using the Triforce of Power, Ganondorf transforms himself into this monstrous bipedal boar, where he assumes the form of Ganon. There's actually a distinction in this game between Ganondorf and Ganon. Ganon Ganondorf is like his human form, and then Ganon is this giant pig. 
He now wields two large swords and using these swords, he bats the master sword out of Link's grasp, grasp and then trapping Link within the crumbled ruins of his castle with a fiery fence. Zelda will be outside of this fence along with the sword. So Link must use alternative methods to weaken Ganon. And when he injures Ganon enough, especially with the use of light arrows, the fire fence will disappear momentarily and the master sword can be recovered so link has to quickly run over grab the master sword come back in the fire fence will light back up and then he's got to fight ganon for real um then when ganon is properly weakened enough zelda will use her magic as a sage to stun ganon so he is immobilized and will not fight back when link delivers the fatal blow square in the middle of ganon's face link will use the master sword to stab ganon and this is when like zelda... so, we're not joking when we say square in the middle of his face he properly does it like but through his forehead properly it's, it's properly and in early versions e of the for game everyone. e for everyone guys and in early versions of the game they didn't even censor the blood it was yeah like, in the 19 in the 1998 release folks on the gamecube i think it was either the japanese copies or just some of the early copies they released it was actually like like prop it was not censored they changed it to green instead of red blood um, they change it to green in all succeeding versions, including this remake. But anyways, yeah, it's pretty gruesome, but he stabs him square in the face. And this is when Zel Zelda calls on the other sages to act now. Each sage will use their individual powers and all unite in sealing Ganon away. Now Ganondorf, as he is transported into the depths of the evil realm to never be seen again, although that's technically not true. As he's being sealed away, he states that as long as he has an opportunity to reclaim the Triforce, and as long as he wishes to take down the heroes, he will always return. But at least for now, with Evil Quelled, everyone around Hyrule rejoices. We get a nice uh, credit scene where everyone around Hyrule is celebrating peace times. The sages oversee peace, return to Hyrule from the peak of Death Mountain, leaving for their own realm with their work done. After this, Link and Zelda meet. She apologizes for bringing Link into this mess she believed that she created and wishes to transport Link back to when he was a child, as she believes that heroes are not needed in peacetime. Because on some level, the whole thing of Link becoming the hero, it just unnaturally happened. He didn't get to grow up naturally. He was kind of just forced into the hero role because of how things quickly went south in Hyrule, you know? So using the Ocarina of Time one last time and playing her own lullaby, Zelda returns Link back to the chamber in the Temple of Time when he first drew that sword. He is, yeah. And he finds, nice. so that's, that's great and all. And what he will do is that uh, he will infiltrate the castle once again. This will happen off screen, but he'll infiltrate the castle once again, return to the courtyard where he first met Zelda, and they meet again. And that's Yay! It. And that is the end of the story of Ocarina of Time. This is complicated storytelling out of the way. It's time to get into the main cast of characters, the temples, entities, and other things to know about them. Oh boy, we haven't even gotten into the bulk of this episode. This is going to be fun. <laughs> 